0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this day and age, Lord. We believe and we partner with your spirit, O God. We partner with your season for our lives. To hear your word and to walk in your purpose. I pray, O God, that you give... The land, the opportunity to have world-changing men. Those who take discipleship super serious and understand the call, the high call to be like Christ. I pray that you perfect. I pray that you equip. I pray that your spirit saturate us tonight. they awaken and revive and shake us out of our sleep and out of our stupor, oh God. That we not be surprised and find ourselves far from being blameless in your sight. Give us a clarion call to our lives, Lord, to be able to participate with what you've entrusted to us, O God, what you're preparing for us. This world needs world-changing men with caliber and intensity and tenacity and faithfulness without negotiation and compromise, O God. Reveal your word to us tonight and let us see your hand. Through your word which is a lamp unto our feet. Let us see oh God. The cross of Christ. Let us see the life. And the presence. That revives. And restores. Further your purpose in our hearts oh God. Bring us back to the course. Where we're running a race. That we not fall short. We pray oh God that your seed tonight. Would be sown in hearts. That are genuine and authentic. And transparent. And transparent. Pure and ready for the un- unadulterated word and ministry of your spirit, O oh God. Preparing us for what's coming upon the landscape. In Jesus' name, we pray that you do exceedingly abundantly above what we pray and ask tonight, O oh God. Bring us men in our families. Bring us men in our homes that we might raise world-changing sons as they see the example of your passion and perseverance, O oh God. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There is no doubt that that we are the property of the flesh. That carnality sets in and our soul soothes in complacency and mediocrity. This is is the, the man who walks in the flesh cannot fulfill the purpose of the Spirit And he says, be filled with the spirit that you not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So those things are are, uh, totally opposite direction. If you're going to walk in the flesh, if you're going to be a carnal Christian, you're not going to inherit. You won't have the capacity to receive what God has laid up for us. Um, I told Mexico in Ecclesiastes 6 verse 6, that for those men that are upon the earth without fulfilling the purpose of God, it's almost better that they would have been um, a stillborn, the Bible says. It would have been better that they wouldn't have been born. That, those are big words. He says, though it has not seen the sun. We go back to uh, verse 6. Even if he lives a thousand years twice and has not seen goodness... It would have been better, um, we continue, verse four, verse three, if a man begets a hundred children, if you have, if your, your mindset is upon your descendants for a hundredfold, and you live many years, so the days of your years are many, um, verse six says a thousand years twice, but his soul is not quenched and satisfied with the purpose of God. Indeed, uh, like one without a burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he. It's better to never have been born than to not fulfill the purpose of God upon the earth. This aspect of going from soul, carnality and flesh to being a spirit-filled man is, is a journey that Christ says we must take. This, this transformation of glory to glory, the caliber, the, the, the character, the weight, the value, the worth of a man that is transformed, no longer walking. Uh, Paul says, I don't want to be punching the air. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to be disqualified as an athlete running this race. Man in the image of God, serving and obeying him. And, and what is God, what is the work that God entrusts to a man who's no longer carnal, who's no longer in the flesh, who's no longer walking in his soul realm, depressed, anxious. He says, these men will have the the. The work to win the lost, to train those who have been won, and to send them out to do the work that is the heart of God. Listen what it is win the lost, train those who have been won, and then send them out with the caliber and the capacity to go after the men. He showed up to fishermen and and they were in the context of the realm of their understanding. He says, I wish I could pull you out of there to make you fishers of men. Like you were when you were lost. When you didn't have God. And so there it is. He says, that which is entrusted to this process of training men. Uh, Discipleship, we're going to see here, is is not for the faint-hearted. And it's not, for, it's not an impossibility either. In fact, it's the framework of God to get us to the place where we will be known in the whole world as the sons of God. Amen. We're going to be known for the work we do, for the God we serve. The highest form Of attaining the fullness of God. Is to be transformed into the character of Christ. How will he do that? How will he take a a lazy, inconsiderate, selfish fool. A child. And bring him to a place where he's laying down his life. Because he loves God above all things. That process is called discipleship. It's holding men accountable for their time, for their, um, for their talents. It's speaking to men saying, listen, you weren't created by God to fizzle out as a non-existent influence. And so here it is. The highest form of attaining to the fullness of God is that Christ is being for- perfected in us and every day... Less selfish. Every day more intense. Every day people will know what is the priority of your interest. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your talents? He says, the greatest, those that wish to be greatest, an intentional surrender to conform to the image of a servant. What's this mean? Matthew 20, 25. Jesus says, if you're going to measure this in the world, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles are always forcing their way. Great men of authority exercising over them. In the way of the world, it's all about getting. Getting. It's all about having. It's all about being able to aspire. He says in verse 26 Not so amongst you. It shall not be so in this community, in this gathering. Whoever desires to come to the highest expression of existence, let him be a servant, let him take the form of a servant. Now, there there is nothing that is more humiliating than having to listen to someone else. Nothing. And that's why a great majority of men are disqualified at the forefront. They will never be what God has called them to be because they have an inability to serve, to obey, to humble themselves. He says like this, verse 27, Whoever wishes to aspire to this place... He didn't say you're evil for desiring that. He says, take the form of a slave. Get to the place where you're willing to serve. Get to the place where you surrender your will. Get to the place where you make your time available. Remember uh, Derek Prince And Pastor Jeff Buck came here at the the very start of this church. And he says, you want to be a champion for God? Make sure that 90% of that reality is that you're always present. You know who are the pastors in this church? The ones that are always here. The ones that are never not here. And they've been they've been graded amongst faithfulness. It, they, they schedule not uh, their time around church, they they are not doing stuff, they're always here. 90% of, of their reality is just availability, their faithfulness. That's the caliber. And 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 they're not here a bump in the wall, they're nonstop in every direction. They're they're serving and serving and serving. If there's one thing that correlates, I was blessed by being in Mexico this week because uh, three of the gentlemen there that are pastoring, Javier, Armando, and Orlando, they're not hotshots, but they're always there and they're always serving. And they're super solid men. They, listen to me. All their wives have a huge smile on their face. Those are the pastors we want. Not, not theologians. People that are, that are offering their lives, surrendering. They're not, they're not leading. He says, whoever wishes to be elevated amongst the first shall be a slave, a servant. Well, I have a problem with that. Because that doesn't give me any, any caliber. He says, yeah, but listen. Verse 28. Remember somebody named Jesus? He did not come to be served. He came to serve. And in his service, the expression of his ministry worldwide. Every country, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Was not blessed because of his majestic writing his authority, but the humility and meekness of his service. Now, I want to to plug you into there. If we're called to be like Jesus, and we come not to be served, but to serve, how many people are waiting for your ministry to blow up? For the call, the will of God in your life to take off with endless expression. I hope you see that tonight. I hope you see that at the moment you decide to take the form of a servant and to allow yourselves to be prepared, we're going to see fascinating things tonight. What is the intensity of one who's called to serve? Okay, Lord, I understand that discipleship is the process that you're going to take me out of stupid and put me into being a servant of God. You're taking me out of ignorance and about being stuck on myself to lay it down so that I can conform to the image of someone who's useful according to your plan for my life. This transformation. The the transformation of becoming a servant is initiated by discipleship. That's the training. And so you ask yourself this question, who is discipling me? And the answer is, no one. Because every time we start the process, I get upset. Nobody could disciple me. I cannot, listen, I got rebuked last night by the Lord. Joaquin, if you're not discipling, you're not doing what I called you to do. It's not bringing people to believe in the Lord. He says, go and make disciples. Well, Lord, I'm a disciple. He goes, I didn't tell you to become a disciple. I said, go make disciples. Well, I became a disciple first. You might say, I'm a disciple. Yeah, but you weren't called to be a disciple. You're called to make disciples. And you can't make what you haven't become. You can't ask somebody to do what you're you're asking them to do. The question is, This transformation into into non-servant disciple to becoming a man of God and attain. Listen, this, this ministry format to go through this process is the most crazy, bizarre, insane experience. But it will polish you and you will shine like a servant of God. It will qualify you for ministry. Paul says, I was found faithful, so he brought me into ministry. I went through the process, so now I can be—I qualify to where God has called me. Philippians 2, as, as we are pursuing Christ in the process of serious discipleship, let nothing be done out of personal gain, uh, for personal glory, for personal interest. Nothing out of selfish ambition, but in lowliness. Let your mind come down. Let each other esteem himself better than himself. Um, one of the powerful things that's happened in the last two years. Um, I was introduced to Pastor G.F. Watkins five years ago, six years ago. And, and he is considered a peer Young, he's 52, I'm 47, he's five years, and I gave him my book, Restoring the Gates, and I'm waiting for him to say, you know something, this, this powerful book, we're going to use this, we're going to change the world, and there's no response, there's nothing. Um, years go by, and I'm waiting on the Lord, and the Lord says, listen, if you don't move in the direction of this provision, you will never be able to get to the next step. So five years later, I call him. I said, listen, this was two years ago. Pastor, the Lord is telling me that I'm to serve you, that I'm to come underneath your leadership, that I'm I'm to come to the place where, where you will champion a cause and I will be the best servant that you have serving under you so that you can be a success in what God has called you to do. I don't want to tell you what that has done. I don't even want to express to you how Deciding to take the low road begins to produce untold favor in expressions you could have never dreamed of. You could have never even thought of. When God sees us, because we're always looking for legitimacy. Okay, where am I going to become a disciple? Let me find somebody uh, somewhere that's authentic and then maybe, listen to me, life is going to pass you by. And you would have never seen the glory of God. You would have never seen the will of God for your life. Let nothing be done out of self-ambition, but lowliness of mind, looking at other people better than wherever you posture yourself to be. Verse 4: Look not every man on his own things. This is this is now you're taking the road less traveled. Wellington Boone says it's the low road. To great heights. Don't look for your own interest. What? You're you're, you're physically, you're telling me that I'm to die. Don't look for what's in it for you, but look for the interests of others. Have the capacity to look in the direction of service. This doesn't make sense. This is going contrary to my carnality. Verse 5. Have the same mind that Christ had. Who, even though he was in the form of God, verse five uh, verse 6, he was like God. He didn't think they were taking something from him, but made himself of no reputation, verse 7, took the form of a servant. One of the blessings about Jesus Christ is he always leads by example. Love that. Wherever he's asking you to do something, he's saying, see, this is how I did it. I'm I'm amongst you as one who serves. I'm cleaning the table. I'm washing the feet. He's giving the example. So he says, like Jesus who took the form of a servant, coming in the likeness appearance of men found, verse 8, in this fashion, he humbled himself. I love the word humbled himself because I've come to the realization that no one is going to force you to humility. This is something you have to give up. This is something you, listen, not only you have to give up, you want to at levels that far surpass any other interest you have on the earth. You want to take that form of a servant because you're curious to see where God will lead you if you humble yourself. He humbled himself to the point and became obedient, the Bible says. So look at those two words, humility and obedience. What does discipleship give you? It's an opportunity to surrender your will. Well, why didn't they do it my way? And why don't they? And who and where And Be quiet. A servant has no will. A servant has no posturing. There's nothing being set on the table. I love Peter's attempt to tell Jesus, listen, now that you're here, Elijah here, and Moses is here, the great plan is three tabernacles, and please call Manny Vega so he could draw the plans. And the the heaven said, shh. I have a clue what's going on. How, how are you? Listen, one, one of the, when, when I use the word stupid, it's, it's they, they call it in psychologists projection. It's something I feel deep inside when I think that I know what God is doing. And when I realize that God is way. Far beyond my capacity to, to, to just bring things together and have them exist. He's doing things way above my capacity. So so it's 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 one of the things of Lord something is in man that's a virus that makes him have an opinion about everything. Hey Pastor. I think that your message should have been, this was last week, different. And I'm like, look, I'm not doing anything here. If you have issues with my message, it's not me. Because I don't have a clue. Only what God tells me. This is what you're going to share, and that's what I share. This guy, not from a church, not been a Christian a long time, but he has an opinion. And left up to him, he would size up the entire church about how he feels everything should be. And, and I'm like saying, you know something? I'm trying like what a servant does to get out of the master's way because he knows what's going on. The master knows. He's, he's masterful. He, he is a potter that is, is preparing every vessel For its use. And the Bible says according to how you separate yourself in the holiness of God is the manner in which you will be used. How you sanctify yourself. There's vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. This generation has lost the concept of honor. We don't know what it is. If it walked in the room tonight, it would be a stranger to us. So Christ is the the forefront example of modeling this life he's calling us to. And it says, because he humbled himself and became obedient and it hurt like crazy. And it was a denial of the will. And it was insane. Did not make sense. Put this cup away from me. But don't do what I want. I want to see your glory. Verse 9 says, for this reason. God highly exalted him, giving him a name above every name. The qualifications of servitude, obedience, and humility shot him qualified to be above. Uh, you know, I, I want to, whenever we interpret the Bible in the flesh, and when I first got saved, there was a group of people says, we're going we're gonna to be sitting on God's throne, and, and we're going to, man, we're going to be like leaning on gold gold and they were more excited about where they were going to be than who they were going to be with and that's a problem if you're a wife and you're wanting to move into a husband's house because he has a big house and a big car and big bank account and you could care less about the guy I know there's different type of women that would rather be with any man under a bridge because they love the husband God gave them I know that type of woman she doesn't care where she's at She's overwhelmed by who she's with. And so us too, as we serve the Lord. Listen, I love having this church. I, I, I every time, th- listen, we've been in here 10 years and there's not a day that I come into this church thanking God for this house. Like, I'm talking about like the first day. Because we grew up in, in other places. We've been at storefronts. You guys been at storefronts? We were there. And for God to make this place, and now they upgraded my office. I'm like, God, love you. Thank you, Lord. I liked what I had, but hey, whatever God is, dis- I'm, I'm, I'm rejoicing in the God I serve. And it, regardless what's going on, so in this, in this, in this manner of pursuing God, and and to every day become more authentic and genuine in my capacity to walk in humility, and I fight with that every second of every day. Like, God, this is not easy. It's not easy. But in order to be able to become and to go and to participate on the design he has for me, there needs to be this process. There needs to be a breaking. There needs to be a conforming to That expression. It was the prodigal son in Luke 15, 19 that that is sick of where he has led himself. Listen to me. You're going to be insanely nauseous of of personal self-pursuit. Of the plans you have for yourself. When you, when you have put everything in the place of your desire. You will throw up profusely, projectilely for the rest of your life. It's such a sick place. You, you will be like Satan himself. You will be unable to have the expression and character of Christ likeness in your heart. That means you'll be absent the presence of God. So he comes back and he says, I don't want to be a son. I'm not worthy of the garments of covering and the inheritance. Make me a servant first. Take me through the process Well, I will appreciate being a son. Take me through the process Well, I will not treat treasure like if it was trash. Because that's what uh, a son that hasn't gone through discipleship does. Nothing that is handed to him has value, has significance until it's lost. He who understands discipleship process and what is to come will understand that you must appear as a servant. Requesting, Lord, forge in me the capacity to be entrusted with that which you have set apart. 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, Timothy, this is Paul now, and Paul is taking Timothy through discipleship, and he's preparing him, and he says, Timothy, those things which I'm entrusting to you, you're to entrust to faithful men who will also be able to take others through the same process. Paul was discipled. Timothy was discipled. Entrust to other men who will commit to faithful men. That will be able to teach others. This this, this, is a continual discipleship process. If you're not going through it. You can't produce one. In other words. Being under the tutelage of mentors. Being prepared. To be a faithful servant of God. In your time. In your talents. In your treasure. In your participation. Is what the spirit of God is doing over his church. Ephesians 4.11 says. These that are called to govern. These that are called to to um, guide. These that are called to gather. These are that are called to guard. These that are called to ground. The five-fold ministry. Is to take you through. Through the character of Christ. So you're no longer an immature. Unstable Christian. So you're no longer an orphan. And a prodigal. So you're not longer immature. And loosely grounded. You're not rooted. Any, any, any storm, when you're planting a plant that doesn't, is not rooted and grounded, it just falls over. And, and there's something that is particular about not having been discipled, not in a course where you sit and information comes, but in a life that's presented as sacrificial. Your children will not have the capacity and character to survive the storms. Your children will be loosely acquainted. Uh, I think they went to church. I think they had a pastor. I think it used to be there somewhere. What's your relationship with God? No, nothing. It wasn't wasn't intense enough for me. This this rainbow of relationship, relational expressions that, that some of us want And you you know it all the time in the house of God. Those that are loosely acquainted with the Lord Jesus. They casually wave. Hey Jesus, how you doing? And so they they know about him. And they, they, they have some type of relationship. Those that are recipients. The fact that you're a recipient of something God gives you. Does not give you any merit in the kingdom of God. For God makes it rain upon the wicked and upon the righteous. So if you say, well, God takes care of me. Yeah, he can't lose his character. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be welcomed into his kingdom. He has the expression of of giving to the wicked and to the righteous. But that doesn't mean that you are living the life that he has called you to live. Those recipients of his favor. I've had uh, prostitutes and homosexuals say, God... God is always there at my side, and it's true, and I believe it 100%, because God could be in the heavens, and he could be in hell's bed, the Bible says. Where can I go to, to run from your presence? If I go to the highest heaven, you're there, and if I go to the lowest hell, you're there also, so I believe God is everywhere at all times, and they do feel God, and they do know his faithfulness, and that's not the issue. I was talking to somebody over lunch today because somebody had posted uh, a video saying that a prostitute was walking down the street. And somebody says, why don't you walk into church with me? And she says, you're crazy. I'll never go to church. Those people accuse me. And so they were were trashing Christians in the church. And they said that's why Gandhi never came to church. No, Gandhi didn't come to church because he didn't love Jesus Christ enough to love those people at church that are immature that cause stumbling stones. We're never to stand against the bride of Christ. We're never to say that the church is not the place where sinners could come. Sinners have to repent and come. They don't tell you that when they go to their nightclubs and when they go to their parties that people are hypocritical and hard there. And that's why they don't go. Don't let them use a church as a scapegoat. Don't let Gandhi say that, that he didn't become a Christian because of Christians. Because Christ is sufficient for him to have become a Christian and love immature, arrogant, and ungodly, hypocritical Christians. So we have, we have leaders nowadays that are, are seeing stadiums filled and justifying the wicked. Oh, the wicked don't come to church because there's all the bad stuff that happens at church. Well, why are they so wicked that they continue being with the wicked? And they're going to be in company of the wicked when they get to hell. They're not, the, the church is the salvation that God has provided. It's the ark of the flood, that of debauchery upon the earth. And they're not in the ark, not because the inhabitants of the ark. They're not in the ark because they don't know the captain of the ship. They don't understand Christ. That wasn't enough for them on the cross. So here it is that this expression of, of loosely acquainted, of recipients to his favor and grace, of visiting casually, of even believing. They were confronted with, Pastor, why are you so in- I believe. And Jesus says, look, the demons, James said, the demons believe. You haven't done anything different than a demon. He knows God is real. And he's heard the reality of his eternal sovereignty. It says here in John eight thirty, As he was walking and said these things, as he was teaching, he spoke, talking about Jesus, these words. Many believed in him. This is a progression from not believing to believing. A pastor friend of mine says, you go to India, the 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 Indian, the in India, the people will have a hundred idols and gods they serve. And when you tell them about Jesus, they say, I want him also. And they put them with their hundred gods. So believing in Jesus is not, you, you, you have all your gods, you have all your idols, and you're just putting Jesus in there somewhere, and I bet you if you you Add the time and the investment and, and the worship, how you bow down to your other idols. Jesus is not one of your top ones. It's not one of your top five. And so here it is, he says, and he spoke these things and many, say the word many, many believed in him. But verse 31, Jesus says, listen, it's not only sufficient that you believe. The Jews who believed in him, he told them, listen, you need to abide in my word. And then you'll be my disciples. You, you don't leave it at believe. Thank God you believe. But if you don't continue allowing discipleship to have its way, you'll feel what they said in John 6.60. Upon hearing this, many of his disciples said, This is too hard. What, what is pastor wanting from us? The force of influence that has to be coming out of our lives needs to be a torrent of righteousness that, that infuses those that are around us, that totally charges a, a reference unto righteousness. This, this thing about this Nazarite vow of saying, listen, I'm going to do something physically in my existence that's not going to allow somebody to be comfortable. I'm not going to sit there and massage this into everything's okay. I'm, I'm not going to be a part of those that, that don't mind. We were in the airplane going to Mexico, and, and the women were going crazy. There's a group of women that were at our side, and they, they were all, Oh, the airplane's going to fall. The airplane's going to fall. I said, No, it's not. God's not finished with what he's doing to change the world through me. This is not over. i, mean, I got to go to Mexico. i got to go back to Miami. And they said, What are you talking about? I said, Listen, as soon as this airplane takes off, you guys will all pull out your rosaries, and there will be a row of 20 rosaries all the way down to Mexico. Because I've been there for 20 times or more over the last 17 years. And and when the airplane starts shaking, everybody pulls out their rosaries. And it looks like Catholic mass. And as soon as this airplane lands, I told them, you're going to put away the rosary. And you're going to go start fornicating and adultering and getting drunk. And you guys have no fear of God. They said, what do you do for a living? (laughs) This is too hard. John six sixty six. following, they said that from that time on, many of those who believed and started their discipleship turned back and they no longer walked with him anymore. I, I don't want to be responsible. And this, and I bear this hard on my heart for your children to be so distant and so non-convicted and so non-compromising because they, your, your, your children will not be able to do what you don't do. If you don't allow somebody to discipleship, you who in heaven's name will disciple you. If you don't surrender your will and make them know that you have gone through a process where you no longer act in pride and arrogance and rebellion. If you don't go through the, oh, please don't put me through that awful experience of not doing what I want. Don't, please. It's unbearable. You're leading your whole family to destruction. And it was no different from Jesus. In John chapter 7 verse 3, his brother says, listen, I know we're related. There's no way we're going to follow you. So why don't you just get going and start discipling someone else? His brothers told him, depart from here. Go into the far land that your disciples might see what you are doing. Get involved with what you're passionate about to save the world, but do it somewhere else. That's an invitation. I I don't want, listen to me, I don't want to be a church filled with a lot of little Christian programs with no disciples. It's sick in the presence of God. It's sick. He's not, he's not to be reduced to the complacency of the apathy of the unsurrendered will. He's not. He's Lord. He's Lord of all. And he goes on to say that, that these, these his brothers didn't want, Romans 10 verse 13, Paul says like this, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We understand that. He has come to save the world. His program is to reach lost men. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But but the intensity of this is that verse 14 says, How will these people ever call on him who they have not even believed in? They haven't had an opportunity to be presented to Christ. Not yet. And how shall they believe in him who no one has talked to them about? They don't believe in him. They haven't heard of him. How shall they hear without somebody preaching to them? Well, what is the substance of those that will preach? Verse 15. How will they preach unless they are sent out? One trained sent out. The only work that we need to be doing in the house of God is preparing those that will be faithful to Christ in his charge, doing what he has called us to do. How will they preach the gospel of priests? But it's it's awesome to see um, this expression. I love how it follows. These who will be sent out will be beautiful they have an expression of the garments of God's praise and glory that far exceed the common man. This is something weird about them. Something super unusual about a man who allows himself to go through discipleship. A man who has self-control. A man who's humble and obedient. When we went to Nashville with like 10 of the guys from here, my, my friend Carlos came along. And he says, Joaquin, these are adult men. And they were all participating without, listen, it doesn't happen anywhere else. You try to pick 10 men and go do anything. Go fishing, go eating, go anything. It's a mess. And he says, I witnessed the caliber and the character of these men that are on your team that is supernatural. There's something different. About the beauty of men who allow themselves to be led. And I always say it. I'm not the most formidable leader. But go find someone. Go be led by someone. And when you find there's no one, you know you're a donkey. You know you're rebellious. You know you can work with no one. So it's necessary that we lay down our will and say, God, where are you going to take me? If I lay down my will, where will you project my family? What will be the inheritance and the beauty of God that go down from generation to generation? And, and I, I cry. I'm in Peru and I say, God, all this is on me? You mean my kids won't get no blessing because I have stepped out and there's no inheritance? Even a, a percentage. I'm 80% under God's... And 20% of my kids get trash. They get the sewage line going into their their lifeline. They end up married with the wrong person. They they end up married with a witch. They end up married with an ungodly. They end up married with an unbeliever. They end up off course, totally, because of of our lifeline. I, I love it says like this. It says, verse 16, but they have all not... Heeded the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Who will receive um, the provisions that are being, uh, you know, passed down to the next generation? And in other words, who is going to be your children's pastor? Possibly, like they did in Peru this week, they started a gay Christian church. That's accommodating. Possibly uh, a total, uh, one of the guys that is real, 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 real well known says, listen to me, let's practice Halloween because that's a way we could get out there with the worldly people. We could preach to them or we, we trick or treat with them. This is, this is the course that this is going in. And it's all a watering down. I could water it down. I could water it down so it has absolutely no influence When we were in Texas, we said to the Texans, you're making Christianity so light that your Christian temples will turn into mosques and your children will convert to Muslim and to Islam because there's something to live for. There's something to die for. And Christianity has become nothing. There is no substance. There is no vision. There is no honor. There's no weight. So a disciple means someone who's... Passionate, passionately devoted, without compromise, a personal relationship. It's, it's much more intense than a group of people. Discipleship is, is, is that, that one-on-one relationship with God. If I don't show up to church, church is not going on. That's what a disciple feels. If I don't show up to serve, no one's serving If I don't obey, nobody obeys. If I'm rebellious, everybody suffers. How we think about maturity and our our walk with the Lord, and everybody thinks they're fine, they're fine. That's why the Lord says on that day, many will come and say, Lord. And they're not going to be connected. Um. He makes a distinction between the multitude and the disciple. In Matthew 13, 36, he says, leaving the crowd, leaving what most people do the way they do it, he went to his house and his disciples came with him. Discipleship is a one-on-one process where you're the closest you can be. I, I used to see the 12 disciples and, and, and see the one at the far end and see the three up in the hill and see the one that, re- requested, uh, that rested upon his bosom. And I'm like, what are the dynamics that make people more connected and closer and on the same page and make other people, you know, totally unacquainted, distanced, and, 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 and seeking their, their own entourage? What, what is that difference? What is the difference between the multitude and the crowd? He makes that distinction in Matthew 23:1. He says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples. There's, there's the crowd mentality. What's in it for me? That's the crowd. The disciple is saying, How can I lay down my life for you? How can I be lost? The, 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 that whole concept of discipleship was, was really uh, intensely. Practice amongst the Jews with regards to the Rabbi and his the the person he was mentoring, and and that mentor that student was always present. He always noticed, and he's always observing, and he's always close to see what is the Master doing, what is the Master, uh, what does he feel, what would he do in this situation, what 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 are the footsteps of the Master? Luke 20 verse 45, he says, while all the people were listening, he turned to his disciples. Everybody wanted uh, to know the the intricacies of the heart of the Lord. He turns to them and he reveals his secret to them. He's speaking things he's not speaking to everybody. This is why I've heard this verse preached for 30 years. Matthew 28 verse 18. And, And this verse to me in the early years meant, okay, Jesus has taken a place of full authority in heaven and on earth verse 18 all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth he stakes the claim across the board for everything that's going to go on in the universe now that i know more of the heart of christ i understand he didn't say that saying i'm the king of the hill because that's not his character he's saying I have a lot of stuff that I need to entrust in people's hands. I I got, I got, there's huge things that have to happen upon the earth. And I'm ready to entrust that responsibility. All authority. You know what all authority means, right? Wherever there's something messed up upon the earth, he has commissioned a man to go put it under the kingdom's realm. To put it in order. To take dominion over it. On in heaven and on earth, verse 19. So, in order to me to get this thing done where the expression of my kingdom and glory will cover the earth, I need responsible disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. How are we going to be able to entrust into the hands of the irresponsible and the unfaithful and the carnal and the foolish, the things that pertain to, to the kingdom. How is God going to entrust you? Go make disciples. Prepare these men that I can I can download on them the things I have prepared. People are waiting. Come on, dad. What what God has for, what's the identity? What is the legacy? What's the inheritance? What is it God has left for us and our children and our children's children? What is it? And you turn around and say, I don't know. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen the visitation of God. Haven't heard the voice of the Lord. If it's downloaded in discipleship, this is the way to do it. Verse 20 entrusting to them, teaching them to keep, to guard, to govern everything that I've commanded you. I'm going to be with you in the process to the end of the age. I'm going to be part of this work that's going on. But it, it has to happen, not through casual acquaintance of believers, but through those that are disciples, those who attain to maturity. Then they're not acting like children anymore. We, we have been, we have been and, and it's systematic throughout the earth, everything has been placed around us to forge outside of the character of, of, this, of this maturity. Uh, that's why uh, men are more prone to entertainment than they are responsibility. They're more prone to, to, to comforts than to suffering. Luke fourteen twenty six. he said it like this. He says, listen, This call to be a disciple is such a surrender of the will that it requires you to say goodbye to your family. You're not a priority. You're not going to sway me outside of the purpose of God. You're not going to make me conform to things that do not have Christ as the priority of our existence. And if you do decide to negotiate even your own life, he says, you cannot be my disciple. There cannot, this, this is, this are, these are, um, there was never an issue. The, the first disciples, when they captured them and they took them to prison and they beat them, they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing that they had an opportunity to suffer for his name. There's people in this church that have that mentality. Listen, my existence all deals with my identity in Christ. I'm here to find the will of God. I'm here to perfect my, my life and my attitude and my ways and to serve them to the last breath of my existence. There's people, there's people that have that in their heart. Amen. Verse 33, he says like this, Likewise, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. If you put any pretext, any excuse... If you have any other game plan, any other agenda, you don't qualify. Just don't don't even don't even go there. It's not going to happen. This this whole aspect of what we're to produce. Remember, and I want to make it clear tonight that it's not that you became a disciple that you go and make disciples. That's what he's coming for. I, I saw this verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and it blessed me so incredibly. When Paul says, listen, this is not about believing. This is about being able to conform to the image of Christ. And if we do that, 1 Thessalonians look 2.11, at, look at this. It's beautiful. Please, please capture the, these last minutes. They're powerful minutes. This is at the end of the ministry as he's writing and forging the product that he will present to Christ. He says like this, you know how we exhorted it. That's the, 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 that's the, the, the intense come on. And how we comforted it is, is you, you, you're embraced to be a part of it. And, and charged every one of you as a father does his child. The intensity of Paul's ministry is is bringing these men like Timothy and the followers and and the churches to call their attention, verse 12, in such a way that you would walk worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. Get to that place where you're shining. Everybody loves that, that that. That expression of being able to embody that which we claim to be. And so he says, so that you could attain to the high call of God. Go through this process of accountability. Go through this process of discipleship. As we are preparing men to offer up their lives to God, to prepare for their act of spiritual worship, to have a living sacrifice, to present themselves, surrender to God. And make it one that pleases the Lord. He says these words. Um, I think it's, it's finishing. Yeah, verse 19. This is it. For this is our hope. That on the day Jesus shows up. There will be a crown of rejoicing. Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that's coming? Aren't you the product that we're going to show the Lord that we have perfected as a crown? Verse 20, for you are our glory and our joy. You are the thing being perfected, used by God. And so he's talking to them about how he is is pouring into their life, preparing them, and he says, so we could get an end product. Who is that end product? You are a faithful servant of the Lord. A man who who's blameless at his coming, who needs not be ashamed, who needs not say, "Oh, I spent a, a, and, and you 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 weren't, you didn't reach. He says, "And you are this expression of what God is waiting for at his coming." Verse nineteen. What is our hope? You're hope. What is our happiness? You are. What is The crown of rejoicing, Paul refers to in verse 19, is the crown that you get after you win a race. What what is that that said you are champion? The product of discipleship. The product of a surrendered will. The exercise of true humility. Of true obedience. A disciple would go where he was being discipled. He would roam the countryside. He would be in the market, in the community. His words, thoughts, his questions, his approach, his patterns, his principles. His stewardship of time and talents. The value and the worth. I, I love the fact that, that there are, everywhere we go, people say, well, who's who's, who's, who's back there? Because other places, there's nobody. And, and here people come in and they say, listen to me. The one trip I came, and said, Pastor, you could just leave forever because you have like five first-string quarterbacks. That's what they told us. You have men here that, that are better than you in regards of their responsibility to serve God. And I know that. And I'm, I mean, this house is blessed because of that. I think Jules was saying that on Sunday. I thank God when I look at Joey's life, at Kenny's life. I look at uh, Jose Palma's life, or Rivera's. I see men that are genuine. Because I refuse to walk with those that are unju- disingenuous, those that are, that are just wasting time. And God is, is holding me now accountable, holding me accountable to disciple men. And, and, and you know that I don't play with the Lord. We will disciple men, we will disciple families, we will disciple marriages. We will disciple. We will forge the character of those that are able to surrender their hearts. Listen to me. This is a voluntary laying down. This is not an imposition. You know that the Gentiles, they rule by by forcing people. This is not going to happen in this place. We're gently going to suggest that you come and offer your life as a living sacrifice to the Lord so that you can be prepared to stop throwing your tantrums prepared to quit being selfish prepared to give christ excellence the 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 most powerful message i've heard I've, i've heard very powerful messages was Derek prince who has a preaching you can watch it on youtube it's called the grace to yield the grace to yield To say, you know something, I'm interested in knowing where the Lord's going to lead me, where the Lord's going to call me, where the Lord is going to ask me to serve him. Because surely, surely you don't think that you have that in your agenda. I pray you don't. Inner surrender speaks of a pure heart. Outward expression of that surrender, pure hands. Pure heart, inward expression of surrender outward expression pure heart is the pure uh, the clean hands clean hands i'm not manipulating stuff i'm not pulling on strings i'm not trying to posture myself let's stand tonight and thank the lord for his desire for us to be part of his team and and to grow this is discipleship talks about maturity. It's thought, it talks about uh, stability. It talks about, I was, I was uh, seeing uh, how different men uh, chart the course. He says, if you're a visitor, you come on Sundays. If, if you are um, one who knows Jesus, you come twice a week. But if you're a disciple, you don't miss a service. You don't miss a service. You're serving at every service. You're you're coming to the place where where your will is surrendered at that part. Because there will be people coming from all over the world. And they're going to want to know, you know, I need to come to the house of the Lord and find the servants of the Lord there. Find them serving. Lord, I thank you tonight for your goodness in our lives. I thank you that you're not leaving us in a place of complacency, conformity, and mediocrity. Lord, light our hearts on fire. We want to be equipped. We want to be readied. We want to be able to not let a grounder go through our legs because we didn't show up at practice. We want to be able to to run in such a way that you're honored and glorified. Whenever we have an opportunity to testify and to serve and to be who you've called us to be, Lord, we want to... Hit it over the fence, Lord. We want to be faithful. We want to be an expression to save the lost. To equip those that are saved. And to send out those that are ready, Father God. We're responsible for the city that we sit in. We're responsible for Miami. We're responsible for our community, for our families. We're responsible that they might see conviction. The contrast of our culture, like like Pastor David Freck was saying on Sunday, he says, you you look just like them. There's no difference. You're just as pathetic as they are, apathetic. You have no feeling. You have no sensation. You've become a leper. You're falling apart. That's the first thing that that is lost in a leper's life is is the feeling of, of, of being able to touch things. He doesn't have anything. His finger starts falling apart. His body starts falling apart. So self-absorbed. So into his own game plan. Father, I pray tonight, oh God, that you give us the grace to lead us in the direction of your heart. That this church be a church that's marked by the contrast of producing men and families and marriages that love you above all things. That serve you above all things that honor and worship you, that our children might know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they might be passionate, that they might cry and tears flood their faces, O Lord, to honor and to serve you, O God. Give us that heart to be able to transform the loss, to become beautiful in your sight as they go preaching the gospel. As they prepare to lift up the men in this generation to be servants of God. And be it a remnant, O God. Be it a a few in number, Lord. We pray, O God, that you give us the grace sufficient and abundant. To continue the charge of the vision of this church to change the world. To be a reference. To be a standard. To be a banner in our generation, O God. We give you thanks for wisdom. We give you thanks for your grace, We give you thanks for your Holy Spirit that yearns for us jealously that we might get to the place where we're called, that we might abound with grace, that we might get to the place that you're coming, that we're not ashamed, that we're not laid back in the comforts and convenience of our backslidings, oh God. We give you thanks for your peace and provision and protection. We pray that the fivefold ministry in this church of teachers and evangelists rise up, apostles and prophets, pastors. They might be zealous unto good works, O God. Prepared for every good work that was there since the foundations of the earth, O God. Good works for us to walk in, Lord. We pray for our worship team to be able to elevate not only instruments, And song, but lives and hearts that would impact their generation and culture, O God. Not by being and running with the flow, Father God, but by being a light unto the nations, O God. We give you thanks for tonight. We give you thanks for this message. We seal it tonight, Father God, that you bless it. And that it might cause a revival and a restoration in our hearts to quicken, awaken, and revive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah.